Ramblers, let's get rambling. Welcome to another episode of Ramble with Russell, show 552 of my podcast, a home intelligent rambling right here on the TalkShoot Network, and one of the longest running single hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. I'm your host, Russ Hale. I've got a terrific show lined up for you today, where we have a variety of things to talk about. I'm going to start things off with a group from the ladies, if you will. With a brand new release from the great folks at Paramount Home Video, it is Book Club, starring Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenbergen. Two Bergens for the price of one movie. Uh, courtesy of Paramount Home Video on Blu-ray. And then we go from uh, some, some senior ladies to some single ladies with a, a uh, new release of, a, of an old premise in a new form, if you will. With the Blu-ray review of Ocean's 8, courtesy of Warner Brothers home video, where Danny Ocean's sister takes up the cause of ripping people off. And then we go from there to a galaxy far, far away with the, the latest chapter, if you will, in the Star Wars movies. It's Solo, a Star Wars movie on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Walt Disney Home Video, And then we wrap things up with another group of fellers, and it is Silicon Valley, the complete fifth season, courtesy of HBO Home Entertainment. That's all on this episode of Ramble with Russell. And speaking of HBO, Ramblers, I have a chance for a yet another giveaway on this show. If you listen to the end of the show, I have a chance to give out a copy of the very first season of Barry coming up on HBO uh, very soon. So listen to the end of this show for your chance to win a copy of that courtesy of HBO. So that's all coming up on this edition of the show. More giveaways for you, my loyal listenership. That is it for me, and we'll take a quick little musical interlude right up with the first review of the show. My first Blu-ray movie review for this episode is Book Club. Courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment. Now, this stars Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steam Bergen. Uh, in this movie about four women who have been friends ever since uh, kind of their college days. And they've grown up and, and grown together. Now, you know, Ramblers, I normally don't do a lot of drama, drama, slash comedy, slash chick flicks on this show. It's not what I usually do. But... The, the the combination of these four, I thought, you know what, maybe it's something I just need to check out. And hold on, it's saying loaded with laughs. These ladies are right by Kevin Steincross of KTVI-TV. Well, you know, I just thought I'd have to check this out. So the, the movie revolves on these four women who have, have been friends since college and uh, and and they they have a book club and that's what kind of keeps them together is they 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 pick a book and then talk about it 
And, and this is almost to me kind of like Golden Girls, the next generation, yet slightly younger. Now, I like Golden Girls, they don't all live together, but but it's that same kind of dynamic. And I gotta get the director of this credit because these actresses really work well together. And they're all pretty much veterans of of TV and movies. And and it has that kind of vibe of um of um of of people that have known each other for a long time. And you you get in the extras that yeah, they the, the, the writers and directors really wanted these actresses in it, and they based a lot of them on their family members, which is always funny. So in this one, Diane Keaton plays Diane, and they purposely cast her for that. She is um she is um, a woman whose whose husband died recently, and she has two younger children, and her, she was with her husband for a long time, so that's kind of her dating situation. Jane Fonda's character is Vivian. She runs a hotel and and sleeps with a lot of different men because she just can't quote sleep with them. So she's very much the the um, more active of all the women. Then Candace Bergen plays Sharon, who is a judge and and has been out of the dating scene for quite some time. And Mary Steenburgen plays Carol, who is a long term married woman whose husband this one is good old Craig. The, the male supporting cast in this movie is quite strong. Andy Garcia is in this as Mitchell. He plays a love interest for Diane. Uh, you also have uh, Don Johnson. Yes, that's Bridges himself. Plays a love interest for Vivian and Arthur. He is an old kind of um, flame that comes back into town. Then you have Ed Begley Jr. is Tom, Sharon's... Um, uh, yeah, Sharon's ex-husband, who's marrying a younger girl, and they have two kids of theirs, so that's her family situation. And then, um, and then, as I said, Marion Steenburgen's character Carol is 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 um, Craig T. Nelson, who uh, in their marriage is kind of on the rocks because he's kind of lost interest in her sexually. All this stuff kind of comes to head. When the four ladies pick the Shades of Grey novel to review for their book club. And this ignites the inner passion within. And and this movie is really kind of a love letter to, to that series of books. And at one point, the, the, the author of the Shades of Grey even has a cameo in the movie. Now, you fans of her books probably go, hey, yeah, there she is. I had to watch the actress to go, oh, so that lady was the one who wrote the books. A funniness in this movie, I gotta say, it, it, I don't know if I'd say riot, but there is definite chemistry between these four actresses, some of them, some of whom have worked in movies together before. Also, rounding out your cast of men, uh, Richard Dreyfus has a small role in this as well, and good old Wallace Shawn who I'll always remember him from Princess Bride, is as a cameo in this as well. Alicia Silverstone plays one of the daughters of Diane. Her her role is small, but it is there. And so you have quite a quite a cast of, of well-known characters in this movie. So as they read this book, all their love lives kind of pick up a little bit or try to at <laughs> one point the Mary Steve Richard Carroll gives Craig T. Nelson boner pills to get him going. <laughs> Again. 
overall, this is a a um an interesting premise how one book can completely change the lives of people. I have not read the Fifty Shades of Grey, and do not look for any reviews of that series of books on this podcast at any time in the future. Sorry, Grayers, it's not gonna happen. Four extras, a a quite a good bit for a single disc Blu-ray release. You get uh, going inside the making of the book club, deleted scenes. It all started with the book, A Journey from Script to Screen, which I like when more movies do that. Uh, you get casting a book club, working with Hollywood icons. This is where all the cast gets interviewed about this. It's nice to see that done. Living in the moment, creating the film's theme song is there. And then a lot of a few other extras as well. Not bad for a single disc release. Overall, I mean, if you're looking for like a, a rather tame kind of uh, sort of romantic comedy to watch, this is it. There are scenes of sexuality, but it's very PG, folks. It's we're not if you're thinking, whoa, I'm going to get these older actresses have sex. No, this is a PG movie. There is implied sexual activity, but at any time or at any one time, these four do you see them naked. So just keep that in mind. Overall, I like the performances of all the actresses. It's nice to see Candace Bergen, honestly, uh, still working, and Diane Keaton. Their, their careers and the album have really kind of slowed down recently. Candace Bergen has changed a lot from the taste of Murphy Brown. And and it's nice, but she still has that voice, and it's still her, and it's just nice to see them acting again. Overall, you know, it is a bit of a chick flick, but but it, it's no beaches, you know. It's not like oh man, it's not maudlin and people dying and all that other kind of stuff. So it is what it is. It is a very lighthearted comedy. Again, I I think there's definite chemistry with these four ladies. They did a really good casting job. You watch this, and you're going. Yeah, I could see I could see this this life this this years of friendship, this twenty plus in theory year friendship between these ladies and, and, and how it works. And I haven't seen even Diane Keaton, not none of these. I've really seen them act a lot lately. So it's good to see that. Jane Fonda out of all of them looks fantastic for her age. There's there's Ted Turner money well spent. Um <laughs> Paul Newman, I think. So she looks great. In this, and even all of them, I you know, I, but I think of all of them, she's aged the least. That a few of them still have some lines around their head, uh, in their faces, but and they've aged a little, but still looking good for their respective ages. I think these four could definitely work together again in another movie. Wouldn't surprise me, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a book club too. I'm just saying, I, I think that uh, these four definitely. You know, and, and you can tell that some of them worked before, but some of them haven't. And there's just, you can, you really tell that I think they're friends off screen as much as they're friends on screen. So that is my take of the book club or book club on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment. Look out 
Our second Blu-ray movie review for this week is Oceans 8, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Video. Now, this is kind of a sequel to the Ocean 11 movies. Back in 2001, uh, George Clooney, uh, along with Brad Pitt, made a remake of Oceans 11, which originally was done with the Brad Pack way back quite a few decades earlier. And, and that movie was a huge success that it spawned Oceans 12 and Oceans 13. And it's very much the, the kind of caper movie. And I always like a good caper movie. This time around, uh, Oceans 8 kind of picks up where it's Danny's sister 
that is leading this this group uh, on a big heist. And now this time around too as well, the heist is jewelry. And they're actually going to rob a necklace from inside where it's kept. So it's a very interesting kind of plot premise. And much like the first Ocean's Eleven movie, it kind of opens the same way, where Debbie is just getting out of prison. And they, they definitely reference Danny. Now, in this movie, Danny apparently is dead. Something happened between Ocean's 13 and now, and Danny is dead. So that's the way they kind of play it. And there is a nice guest uh, cameo early on by somebody from the previous franchise. I won't say who, but it's like, hey, look at that. So they imply that he's dead. But uh, I don't know. We'll see how long that is. So it's Debbie now leading the charge. And just like a brother Danny, she just can't avoid the lure of a heist. And this necklace they're stealing is worth millions of dollars. And much like her brother Danny... She needs a little help from her friends. So she recruits other women to help her out in this one. So it's a female heist caper. Now, the actresses in this one is quite an impressive brand, brand, uh, a bunch of actresses. Her, her kind of second in command is Lou, played by Kate Blanchett, who just is really good. And she's joined by another eclectic cast of characters, all with their own special set of skills. So the premise to Ocean's the previous Ocean movies is pretty much the same. Helena Bonham Carter is in this movie as a fashion designer, and she is just wacky as only Helen can be. You also um, have um, you also have Sarah Paulson in this one as well. Rihanna, uh, yet another another singer wannabe actress, is in this one as Nineball. And then you also have Mandy Kaling, who of course Mandy Kaling, who I believe was previously in The Office. Is this one? And Anna Hathaway plays the the dupe in question, who they're trying to steal the necklace from. As with the previous Oceans movies, it's very much the the plot in this one. It, it's it's uh it's very intricate, and 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 I like how it's done. It has that same kind of heist feel. And Sandra Bullock, I'd say she shows no signs of um, of slowing down, and plays a really good kind of sympathetic criminal uh in this one uh for for extras you get a fair bit for a a single disc release you get a heist in heels where they they talk about uh that oceans team 3.0 a reimagining the met gala and lead scenes and this heist actually takes place at the met and and actually filmed at the met and you really see the the extents they went to including this gallery in this for the movie. And I've never been to the Met at all, but it's almost like a commercial for it. Like, see how cool this building is? So that is that. So it's, again, that kind of, um, will they get away with it? Won't they get away from it? Sadly, no audio commentary on this, which there should have been, but there isn't. Now, this is raved as, um, it, it says, uh, an A-list cast brings the glamour uh, and smashy fun from Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. Yeah, I'd say, I don't know some of the cast is A-listers, but there's a lot of B kind of thrown in there, too. So, there you go. Rihanna is good as Nightball uh, as a hacker. 
The one thing, if I'm going to nitpick on the movie, and you know I do, is the the how quickly they change outfits. There's one point uh, near the end where they all need to kind of get out of the place once they've done they've done with the jewelry, and the the amount of quick changes is like how the heck did you change outfits that quickly? Unless you had that outfit under your other outfit, which I don't see how you could have had that because I don't know if they stashed away clothes somewhere, but it's crazy. They literally go movie magic folks to get out of it from uh, some of them go from a complete makeover (laughs) to exit the building. And I'm going, where are you getting the dresses from? It's just me. Hey, Ramblers, if you can explain to me, tweet me how they changed outfits at the end so quickly. I want to know, because you don't go over that in the extra. That kind of breaks it. I know you're saying it's a, it's a heist movie. It's a caper movie. You know, don't pickleize the, the realism so much. I I don't know. Uh, you know, I see guys do it where sometimes they have like uh, a suit with like overalls on top of the suit and they switch off, take out the overalls, like the work's been closed and they have a suit underneath it. I can buy that. Sure, it's hot as heck to wear that, but I can buy it. But these magical makeover dress transformations, come on. I don't know. That that kind of pulled it a bit for me. Overall fun. I, I think this movie did do well. Do I see there being an Ocean's 9 and an Ocean's 10? <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Then you could release a whole box set. Ocean's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, one day. Mark my words, that could happen. Even though chronologically, it doesn't work out as opposed to numerically. But I think so. I think that um, just Debbie Ocean, just like her brother, just never seems to be satisfied with just one heist and running. They got away with, spoiler here, millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. So in theory, just like the first one, why would you want to go for more money? Wasn't the first heist enough that you don't need to be going back to the well? Or is it just the thrill of it, of being able to pull off something? Maybe that's the lure. And I think that if there's going to be sequels, eh, bottom to dollar, that might happen. Overall, an interesting taste. You don't take, you don't see too many female heist movies these days. So, like that, the dynamic of the actresses worked well together for the most part. Helen Bonham Carter is crazy. Some of the fashion choices. There's one where she had a bird on her head, and according to the extras, that was her choice, and yeah, that's Helen Abomina. That's just the way she is. Overall, a, a fun, caper-esque movie, somewhat, in some places, predictable, some stretches of reality, which, come on. Uh, cause it came to the dresses and the timeline that they get everything done so they didn't get caught. Unless you're the frickin' Flash. I don't see how you did some of the stuff. But they try to explain it. But still, stretches it. Now, how does this compare to the previous movies? I think pretty similar. Just you have women doing this instead of dudes. Uh, but, but the dynamic was there, and that's what you watch these movies for. So that is my take of Ocean's 8. On the and oh, and Anne Hathaway is very funny in her role. <laughs> that's, that's a, an over-the-top actress. She 
she does well with that. So that is my take of um, Ocean's 8 on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers, home entertainment. Rising up, back on the streets, did my time, took my chances, when the distance now I'm back on my feet, just a man and his will to survive, so many times it happens too fast, you try your passion for glory, don't lose your grip on the dreams of the past. Must fight just to keep them alive. Is that I am tired? Is the thrill of the fight rising up to a challenge or a rival? And the last Nazarbayev was like a spray in the night. As he watching us, are we the eye for the tiger? Oh, a tiger. Last movie review for this week is Solo, a Star Wars story, courtesy of the great folks at Walt Disney Home Entertainment. Now, of course, this is the second of kind of broken off Star Wars stories from the new trilogy that, of course, is going on. Episode 9 does not happen until next year. So this story takes place kind of in between, I would say, Episode 3 and Episode 4. Kind of... In that in-between time, where it's just the rebellion is just kind of starting. In a way, it's very similar. It's almost like a sequel to Rogue One. Sort of, kind of. In this one. In this one, we meet a very young Han Solo, even younger, uh, at the start of this movie. And and we kind of get the origin story of him meeting Chewie, getting the Falcon, Lando, that kind of thing. And, And they reveal his last name... In, in a really strange way that I, when, I, when they did this, I went, really? That's how you're going to go with the last name? Now, this movie, you know, got panned a lot by critics. A lot of people 
really didn't like this because you know what? Everybody wants their Harrison Ford. And well, Harrison Ford is done playing this character. So it's up to this new generation to kind of, you know, take it to take it to the next level. Now, in this movie, Hans, the young Han Solo is played by Alden uh, Enerich. I hope I'm saying his last name right. And he has that kind of swagger, and, and that works really well. Chewie, this time, though, is not played by Peter Mayhew. No, Peter Mayhew is kind of past the torch, if you will. And he's played by a very tall man named Jonas Sutemo. Now, riding out the cast, you have Woody Harrelson is in this movie as Beckett, who is a, a another kind of criminal-ish type person. Then Amelia Clark is Kira, Hans' uh, love interest at the time. Donald Glover is a very young Lando Carissian. And then you have Sandy Newton as Val. Her 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 character, though, slight spoiler here, doesn't last for much of the movie. So she doesn't make that big a part. And then once again, much like Rogue One, we have another celebrity voice doing a robot with an attitude. This time it's a female robot with an attitude. It's L337, voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So those are, are kind of your... your ones here and also uh paul bettany is is one of the main villains in this yes vision himself plays the villain of dryden voss and even even john favreau <laughs> has a bit of voice work in this so that's kind of your main cast members and this one um solo is very much kind of starting off we get to see his his days in the imperial academy you get his, his meeting with, with uh with um, chewbacca it's very much a caper movie in a lot of ways, in a con movie. And and shows the the early elements of what would be Layer Hand Solo. I really do like, though, Donald Glover's um, uh, portrayal of, of Lando. He has, he channels a very, he has a very good Billy D in the way he talks. I think it works really well in, in this one. And the robot is really funny. It's very similar to what they did in Rogue One, but just a, a female one. And, and I, like... How that plays out. There are nods, of course, to other Star Wars movies in this. You do get to see how the Falcon got its shape. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to warn you folks. The Falcon does not show up. This is two hour and a half movie. Falcon does not show up until almost an hour into the movie. Same thing with Chewie. So if you're expecting a lot of that, no, it's a lot of Han early on without the ship, without Chewie. That said, um, some of the visuals in this are really cool. There's a part where he's flying through the mall. Lots of Star Wars references in there. Kind of one of these movies I, I wished I'd seen, maybe on a big screen, maybe in 3D. That would have been cool. But as you know, Ramblers, my gate, my days of going to the movies ain't like it used to be. I just don't have the time and money to go to the theater as much as I used to in the early days of the show. If you want to see my heyday of the show, go back a few years. Uh, to the, he this feed here, a talk show in my old feed at Libsyn, which I'll give out in the end of the show, where I was really in movies on a regular basis. These days, I only go to the ones I can afford enough time to, because life has changed for me, but in, in a good way. So the movie itself is fun. It is a very caper movie. I liked his performance as Solo. I think Alden did a pretty decent job with what he had to work with, really. And this movie is actually directed by Ron Howard. Ron Howard directing a Star Wars movie, which is kind of cool. So it is to see a nice chapter. I like Paul Bettany as the villain. He works really well in this. Uh, it's it's funny to think that he's Vision as well. So that's cool to see him part of another franchise. For extras in this one, 
Not bad for a single disc release. You do get eight deleted scenes. You get Solo, the director, and cast roundtable. I like this feature. It's Ron Howard with all the major cast members sit down and kind of talk about the movie. I like these. Very fun to watch. You also have Becoming a Droid, L337. This is where the voice actress talks about her performance and how they did it. And it's very interesting. They had her in a suit with green screen, and then they put bits on her. So all the performances, all the motions that you see in the movie, that's her movement. So that was kind of cool. Into the Maelstrom, the Kessel Run. This is uh, a look behind and how they filmed this. And it's very interesting to how they filmed this shot because they set up this ginormous green screen and surrounded the set of the cockpit. So while they're filming this, the actors are seeing through the through the port what we are kind of seeing on screen. That's a very cool technique and and really neat. And I hope I see more of that. It really I'm sure it helped the actors immensely in in kind of getting into the moment. And that is really super cool. You get uh Breaking the Millennium Falcon. This is a, a lowdown on the ship and what changes they did to it for this movie. You get Kazdan on Kazdan. This is the, the iconic Star Wars uh, writer, Lawrence Kazdan, who was a major part of the original trilogies. And it, it's his. It's a look at him and how his son and how they work together on this movie. Then you get Team Chewie, which is, as, as I look at bringing the Wookiee to life, that's a really interesting feature, Ed. I think I think the new guy does does a good job in it. And <laughs> one scene with them in the mud pit. Oh man, that 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 couldn't have been easy. And very much, I almost thought. I swear to God, at one point I thought a rancor was coming out, but no, no rancor. So slight spoiler there. Ready. Overall, uh, a fun film. Uh, I think it wasn't bad. I think you know, there's room for more adventures. Maybe there'll be a, a solo two in the future. We'll see. There, there is word on high with Disney movies, and I, and I read about this recently that the people who are making the Star Wars movies are saying, you know what? We came on a little too hot, trying to ambitious, trying to do a Star Wars movie every year. So after uh, Episode Nine comes out next year, they're gonna cut down on how often Star Wars movies come out. It's not gonna be a yearly thing, folks. Sorry. They're going to space them out in the middle, which is probably why the Kenobi movie got canceled, because they're thinking, you know, maybe it's too much of a good thing. We need to have a longer gap between movies to make people want them more, and we're kind of overflooding the market. So a lot of it looks like that is happening. So that that is a shame. I think they're maybe learning from Marvel, where you you got to space some things out to make the, the audience want it more. So overall, I, I did like this. It, it, it looks gorgeous in 4K. Uh, definitely worth getting for that uh, when it comes to action movies. Sound mix is really good. I like that. And then not that bad. You know, it, it's a good Star Wars movie. A lot of people dumped on it. I enjoyed it. I thought it had a good pacing. I like the interaction between the, uh, the, the uh, between the Solo and, and Beckett. I think there was a really interesting relationship there. Uh, I would have liked a little more on his time in, in the Empire. I thought they kind of whoop Skip through that uh, a little bit, and I think that more could have been done with that. Uh, but but overall, nice to see another trip into the Star Wars universe, and it's definitely worth checking out if if you want to keep your, uh, you know, keep 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 up with your your Star Wars lore, if you will. 
So that is my take on Solo, a Star Wars movie, or Star Wars story, <laughs> but, but it's both, courtesy of the great folks at Walt Disney Home Entertainment. show on DVD Review Plus episode is Silicon Valley, the complete fifth season, courtesy of HBO Home Entertainment. Well, we, we resume the boys at Pied Piper as they continue the struggles to keep their company afloat. Now, one of the big changes for season five is there is no T.J. Miller. And it's almost made me want to watch the end of season four to go, what the what just happened here? Apparently, there were some issues, I don't know, going on with T.J., and he didn't want to, or, or and, and they've written out his character for season five. So in essence, for all for all known reasons, his character is pretty much dead on the show. He has been written out, and and I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. So that's what what kind of happened between somewhere in the fourth and fifth season. T.J. Miller is no more. So unfortunately, the the the, the although. Er- Ehrlich is mentioned many times in this season. His run in the show is done. And it's, it's a shame. I always liked his his kind of mix with these characters and so he's taken out of the mix. In this fifth season, the, the gang of Pied Piper, Richard Hendricks and the company, try to take their platform to the next level. To try to, to invent a new internet, if you will. I don't know if anybody's doing that, but it's an interesting concept. So along the way, they they get pressures from their investors, of course, and and it's 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 another structure, another struggle of them trying to hold it all together, and then of course fight off Hooli, as well. So back, you know, besides T.J. Miller, you have um, Thomas Middlechurch, uh, sorry, Thomas Middleditch as Richard Hendricks, Josh Brenner as Nelson Bighead Baghetti, uh, uh, Martin Starr as Bertrand Guilfoyle. 
Kumal Najini, or yeah, Najani, Jenny, sorry, Najani, as Dinesh, and then then Monica is back, uh, Monica Hall, uh, played by Amanda Crew, is back, and and of course Jared is back, played by Zach Wood. So all the other things there, and even Gavin Belson. Uh, played by Matt Ross, is back as well. And even Jimmy uh, Jin Yang, played by Jimmy O. Yang, is back in the cast. So most of the cast is back in this show, except for TJ. So it's that usual kind of humor in the show, the usual kind of uh, sniping back and forth. Richard continually makes bad decisions, and his personality is really odd. So that that's what happens in this fifth season, that there's, there's so many... <laughs> There's so many ways that that these guys kind of um, screw up, and and that's that's the way it goes. For, for no extras, and unfortunately for this season, no extras in this single disc release. No inside looks, nothing. You just get the bare bones of the show. Overall, it is a fun season. It is kind of missing T.J. Miller, but they they, they kind of soldier on, if you will, and it, it does go some very interesting ways. There are some really good comedic moments. I love the again the, the fighting between Gilfoyle and Dinesh. I <laughs> find that those two, oh, the way they're trying to one up each other, it is is kind of funny. And just the 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 attitude and how these guys work together is always funny. And I think it is definitely worth checking out. It does it help to watch previous seasons to watch this season? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say it does uh, because if you don't. You know, you can not really go in knowing the characters and knowing for knowing how how it goes. So that is that is kind of what it is. It is a fun season. I'm a little disappointed. HBO seems to be kind of limiting the amount of extras they have for some of the releases. No commentary, no inside looks, nothing. And it would have been nice to see, especially something on the departure of T.J. Miller and how that goes. But there's been a lot of competing sources. Some say it was his decision to leave. Some say he was hard to work with. And they just, after four seasons, had enough. I don't know. That that only only the people know involved. And I'm not going to speculate. I don't know. But, but that is how it's going on. So that is my take of Silicon Valley. This season on DVD. Courtesy of the great folks at HBO Home Entertainment. up for this edition of the show hope you all enjoyed it as always you can touch me the number of ways you can always get me on twitter i'm at rambling russ on twitter r-i-m-b-l-i-n-g-r-u-s-s tweet me i'll tweet you back i appreciate all the, yeah, the tweets and retweets on twitter and then and, and hello to the person who's trying to save scorpion i might get i'm going to try to get in touch with you maybe get you on the show and see uh, what's going on with trying to save that show because the fourth in the final season, as out on video, I am working my way through to gain that, more on that in just a moment, and maybe I'll reach out to you. So I appreciate anybody who reaches out to me on Twitter, tweet me, uh, I'll tweet you back eventually. Sometimes I'm just a little slow on that, but I will. Of course, you can check out all new shows right here in the Talk Show Network. I'm show 18411, the brand new Talk Show. I hope you like the new format. I know it's a little getting used to, but it's there, and I still hope you like it. So um, that is that. Of course, you can check out all my old shows, right? Um, on my original home on the internet, it is HTTP, ramblingrust.libsyn, H-I-L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. That's original home on the internet where I have over eight plus years of podcasting goodness 
Um, going back from my early days right up until until I changed here on TalkShoe. Also, you can check out my older shows on in iTunes. Just type in Ramble Russell in podcast. You can find the old shows there as well. Lots of convention coverage, lots of good stuff in my earlier episodes. Coming up, future episodes of the show. Ah, I got a lot to talk about. So I came my way through Madam Secretary Season 3. Uh, that is coming up as well as Scorpion season three, uh, coming up in the next show. I will get you my review of Madam Secretary season two as I play TV catch up, uh, a little bit. Cause just my life is so busy. And then after that, I'll get to Madam Secretary season three book reviews are on the way. I got some right, nice, uh, great titles from the great folks at DK, including Star Wars ideas book, the DC, absolutely everything you need to know and Lego DC superheroes. Visual Dictionary. That's all some book reviews from courtesy of DK coming up in the very near future. That is it for me this week. Appreciate all your patience. Coming up, we got a lot of good reviews coming up uh, when it comes to, to, to releases. Coming up with Disney-wise in the next few weeks, we've got Ant-Man the Wasp coming out very soon as well. They just announced that Incredibles 2 will be coming out uh, late October, early November-ish too. So look for that review as well in upcoming weeks. Got a lot of good titles, some more stuff from Paramount and Sony and HBO and all of the people that I would deal with. So keep listening. Movie reviews, ah, we'll see. As I said at the top of the show, it's it's kind of tricky when I'll do that. Now, I did mention, uh, speaking of HBO at the top of the show, I do have a giveaway to give to you. Now, to celebrate the release of Barry Season 1 coming out on DVD very soon, I did... Talk about that season a while back because I got a the early digital copy. Uh, the, the physical copy is coming out very soon. And to celebrate that release, the kind folks at HBO have given me a code to give away to you for a free copy of that very season of Barry Season 1 for you to check out. Now, to win this code, here's what I want you to do. It's very simple. When I talked about Barry Season 1 before, there was an actor in that show that that was one of my favorite actors from a very old sitcom back in the 70s. And he has a part in Barry Season 1. Now, if the first person who tweets me, at Rambling Russ, with the name of that actor and, and the show that he's to star in, and I talked about him in that review, so go back to some previous episodes where I talked about Barry Season 1, and you'll hear me talk about the actor... That's in Barry that I really loved. I thought he did a great job that used to be in an old show from the 70s, a sitcom. That's all the clues I'm going to give you. You tweet me his name and the show that he used to star in. First person who does that to me, tweets that to me, and follows me on Twitter. You got to do that because then I got to DM you the code. And as a bonus, also goes to my talk show page, writes a review of the show, and any any anything you want to send up, I, I you know any any words you want to say. First person who does that writes a review on Talkshoe, and and sends me the information on 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 Twitter. And you have to follow me on Twitter because I have to DM you the code back. First person who does that, I will send you a code courtesy of me and the great folks at HBO a free a code for a, a for a copy of Barry season one for free, um uh, a digital code for that whole season. So that is what I'm going to give away. The first person who does that, um, and and then and when the winner does that, I will I will 
I will post that on my Twitter feed. So keep a look for that. And I will announce it. If I get a winner by if I get a winner by the next episode, I will I will announce that on the show as well. So yeah, it's gonna be out there, folks. So have a listen back to the show where I talked about Barry season one. Answer my trivia question. And a copy of that very season is available for you to check out. That is it for me, and we'll catch you next time right here on Rambled Russell. Bye, everybody. Bye.